everyone, welcome back to another week of the Hope of Advent, where we are looking at the Advent season and finding why it is cause for hope, for peace, for joy, and for love. Last week we looked at hope. This week we're going to look at peace. We're going to kind of take a deep dive and look at who is this peace? How do we understand this peace? What does it mean? And then ultimately, how do we embody this peace? So again, we're going to move through that Christmas story found in Luke 2 and ultimately see why it is cause for peace. Yeah, so let's start with the the Christmas story that we know so well, this proclamation from the angels there in Luke 2.14. Right, so you have these shepherds out in their fields uh, getting ready for their night watch, and these angels show up, and you can imagine the light and the shadows dancing on the hill, and they say this. They say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So glory to God in heaven and on earth, what are we going to get? We're going to get peace. Now, there's a lot to this word peace, and we're going to kind of dive into it, but this passage is is really a throwback. Whenever we talk about peace, it's, it's this throwback to a prophecy in Isaiah 9. And uh, this was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus' coming. And it was this prophecy of one that would come, that would make all things right, that would bring peace to the earth. Here's what it is. I'm going to read the verse 5, which kind of sets up for the very famous verse in verses 6 and 7. Verse 5 says, Every warrior's boot used in battle, every garment rolled in blood, will be destined for the burning, will be fuel for the fire, will be done away with, right? Verse 6, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Does anyone have Handel's Messiah playing in their head? Verse 7, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So this is this prophecy, right, of one that would come, this child that would be born, that this would be a son given to us. This is amazing, right? Hundreds of years before. And the government will be on this child's shoulders. What does that mean? And he will be a wonderful counselor. He'll be the mighty God. He'll be everlasting father. He'll be prince of peace. Now, this this child, this prophesied child here, confirmed here in Luke 2, you have this beautiful picture of, of one that would come that would actually, yeah, bring about a kingdom of peace, right? This is a lot of governmental kind of political leader language, all kind of rooting itself in King David, the, the king over Israel, and that something new was going to be coming. There was going to be a new era of peace, now, you may look around and think, uh, when is that coming? Because I 
It doesn't feel like peace to me, right? Yeah. But really, this is um, this is kind of this work that Jesus causes is that his coming that we celebrate here in the Advent. Again, Advent is about celebrating his coming 2,000 years ago, living in the now, and then looking forward to Jesus' return. And so this prophecy is both started with Jesus there in, in what we celebrate in Christmas 2,000 years ago, but it's also looking forward to when he returns and makes everything right. So that's kind of the promise. We're going to dig into what that piece means. But let's just take this word for a second and kind of reflect on it. What does it mean to us? Yeah. You know, like you think, when you think of the word peace, I don't know what you think about, Brandon, but I, I think about the beach, particularly uh, for me, um, San Clemente. It's just this like beautiful, calm, refreshing place. But when I walk out on the pier and I hear the, the waves rolling, it's like, oh, peace. Everything is right. Yeah. This is so good, right? Uh, you know, peace, it was taken, this word peace, right? It's like, it's been used for a lot of different things. Um, it's been used like in the hippie movement, right? Like peace on earth, peace, peace, love. We don't want yeah. war, right? It's it's this idea of like, let's not have any conflict. Let's not, let's just not do the hard stuff. I just want peace, uh, you think about peace, you may think about like nations that don't go to war with each other anymore, right? So this word takes, it has a lot to it. So let's unpack it a little bit, see what actually, the way the Bible talks about it. Brian, what what, what do you got? Yeah, it, it, I think it's a, it, you're exactly right. Like it's the, when we think of peace, we go to kind of like a restful, blissful, tranquil space, or it's... Um, a place where there's like fighting isn't happening, where there's where there's no war. Um, <clears throat> but as we think about this piece and particularly how it's created, right? There's, I think, a false piece that exists in our world, that exists in our society, where it's upheld by like the, the potential threat of violence. So it's like when you think about two nations fighting with each other, it's like, hey, we're at peace but we have our missiles pointed at each other. So if you cross our line, we're letting it off. If you cross our line, we're gonna let it off. That's not that's not peace. If peace is upheld by violence, it's that's or potential violence, that, that's not what peace is. But God has a very specific peace in mind when we look at this word. And we don't really have a good peace is the best English word we have, but the the, the Hebrew word is shalom. And what shalom means, it's, it's kind of the coming together of God, of us, of creation, um, and it's the weaving together with love, with peace, with justice, with joy. So it's kind of, it's all that God has created and all the goodness that God has created married together, woven together into one fabric. That is the shalom. That's the peace that God has. That's what he's, that's what he's thinking about when he's saying, peace or when there's prophesied that there will be a kingdom of peace. So it's kind of like this spiritual, physical, social flourishing for humanity. In other words, it's what God has intended for his creation uh, to be. And that peace is established, but it's not established through the threat of violence. It's established through 
a kingdom of love. It's established through a God of love. And we enter into kind of that peace and we're woven together in this tapestry of this shalom idea. It's God, it's us, it's creation, it's love, it's joy, it's justice, it's peace, all brought together. Yeah, I mean, so think about your relationships, right? Like, uh, I've always said peace is greater than absence of conflict, right? Peace is greater than absence of conflict. Oh, and when you think about a relationship with somebody, um, right, it's not just like, well, we're at peace because, you know, me and my sibling, we're not fighting anymore right now. The shalom that, that God talks about here, the prince of shalom, shalom is when all things are made right. So it's... It's not that you just aren't having conflict with your sibling. It's that, wow, we are in a deep and quality relationship with each other. Things are made right. There maybe there maybe had been some pain or some brokenness in the past, but now things are made right. So if you just think yeah. about your relationships, uh, it's a helpful way of kind of thinking about it, right? And for us, a lot of times when we think about peace, we're just like, we come out of a chaotic day. Everything is insane, and we just think, like, I just need a moment of peace. That ain't peace. That's just calm. Yeah, we usually feel that with things like social media or Netflix. We're just feeling, we're trying to fill that void, but it's not peace. Um, it's not the peace that God desires, and it's not the peace that God establishes. It's just numbing out to whatever may be giving us anxiety, or it's taking our mind off that anxiety, but it's not directly speaking to that anxiety. Exactly. And, and again, this is what happens when we kind of chase the lesser thing. Now, if you chase just calm or lack of conflict or lack of anxiety, that's not true peace. So you think about, again, your day. We've talked about relationships. Think about your day. If peace in your day is that you get to the end of the day and you're thinking, that was fulfilling. I got to do some things that I was called to do and things were made right in my day. And and think about it. When it comes to this bigger idea of shalom, right, we all desire this, right? Yeah. Uh, we look at the world around us, and we don't want to be taken advantage of, and we don't want other people to be taken advantage of. So we say things are not fair. Well, shalom is when things are made right. Yeah. Uh, abuse, right? We look around and we say this is not right about the world. So it's not fair. It's not right. If you cast that in the positive, what you're hoping for is for a world where things are made right, where shalom comes you look at stories on the news and you say this shouldn't be happening well peace the promise there in isaiah 9 again started in jesus coming and being worked on right now and will come to a final fulfillment we look at the world and we say things are not as they should be what we're yearning for there is shalom uh, is is rightness uh, is justice um, is good. So that's a little bit of kind of wrestling with this word. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we yearn for it because we're made for it. It's something I think is like innately deep within us that we desire it and we search for it through different avenues, through whatever that may be. But we're created, make no mistake, for this shalom. This is what God intends. This is what God created, which was broken by sin, but God is putting it back right. And we see that come to a head in the story when Jesus gets on the scene. So we see like this piece, we, we see it prophesied in Isaiah. We see this birth in Luke. 
But ultimately, in the, the here and now, it, it's, it's carried out through us. Um, so God is establishing this kingdom of peace in us. He's establishing it through us. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, he says, blessed are the peacemakers for they'll be called sons of God. Um, and since we have been given this peace, we're to make this peace. Brandon, I really love this quote um, by her name is Joan Chittister. Kind of a funny funny sounding last name. Um, she's kind of like an author, writer, um, speaker. And she says, this kind of peace, this shalom peace comes with the realization that it is our obligation to birth it for the rest of the world. And I love that because it's, it's, it's beautiful because there's like a dual movement to it, right? It's the peace comes to us, Jesus. This, we are invited into this kingdom of peace, but it doesn't just come to us. Ultimately, it gets expressed through us out into the world. As she says, we're obligated to birth it, to birth it for the world. And if you, I mean, you know, my wife, we don't have any kids, but I know you have two kids. And I know you have a little baby girl. So this is kind of fresh on your mind. But think of that like birthing something, birthing this life into the world. And this is the metaphor that we see is that we as the church, as followers of Christ, take this peace that we've been given and we bring it to the world. We birth it. We give life to it. We put hands to it. We put feet to it. We take it from being kind of this like up in the clouds, ethereal concept to something that's concrete and tangible that people can experience in real time. And that is the work that we've been called to and invited to. And that's different. You, you can't birth numbing out into the world. You can tell someone like, hey, you got to watch this Netflix series. It's amazing. And it might be amazing and enjoy it. Enjoy your Netflix, right? Um, or Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever that may be. But there's a certain type of peace that you can, that we have been called to birth into the world that is not something that it, it brings people into it and invites people into it. And then they can then birth it into the world. It's, it's something, it's not like once that season is finished on Netflix, that's it. Once you got to wait for the next season to come. No, like we are continually birthing this peace into the world. Yeah, gosh, it's so it's so helpful. I like that idea of birthing, like numbing into the world um, versus true peace. But this is what people long for, um, mm-hmm. and often, you know, this is the thing about um, about counterfeit uh, is that you're actually hoping for the real thing. And so, a lot of times, when we seek peace and pursue it, what we're seeking is numbing or just lack of conflict. But true peace. Um, it's not going to just come through ourselves. We need to know the Prince of Peace if we want to experience peace in our lives and in yeah. our communities. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and to be thankful. Now, right, this is the idea, right, that if, if we want to help be peacemakers in the world, again, that doesn't just mean going around and just, like, telling people to not be mad and just to be nice to each other. Peace yeah. means reconciling, means making things right, and it starts with you, with you and the Prince of Peace. And there may be some places of turmoil and uh, things that are just not right, pains from your past, 
uh, challenges in the present, worries about the future that you need to hand over and say, Prince of Peace, would you make this right? Would yes. you would you help me experience shalom here? And, and that's what it, it means. Again, here, let the peace of Christ rule. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, in your core. Now, the rest of that verse is, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. So now it's not just a personal thing. It's about my relationships and what's going on around me. So how do we carry peace? How do we be peacemakers, especially in this season of Advent, especially in this upside-down world that we're living in right now? Well, one of the biggest ways we can bring peace um, is the cycle of victimization, right? Uh, Let me just explain this, and you'll be like, yep, I know what you're talking about, is that Somebody has caused some wrong to me, and I now have become a victim. And what is the usual result? Well, something is not made right. And so I will then carry that on to somebody else. I will become a victimizer and victimize somebody else, and then they will be hurt, and they'll hurt somebody else, right? Pastor Rick always says, hurt people, hurt people. The problem is we're all going to get hurt in this world. But the Prince of Peace does this a very different way. See, when he was wronged, uh, there on the cross is the perfect example. When he resurrected, the famous last words never spoken was that he got out of the tomb and said, let's go get those Romans. You know, let's go pay them back for the wrong stuff that they did. No, what did he do? Is he forgave. He said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And when he came back to life, he, he did so to make things right. Um, and that's, that's an amazing thing. So in your life, maybe you have a hard day at work and then man, to your family, you just, you were victimized at work and now you victimize your, your kids or your spouse. Man, what if, what if we went to the Prince of Peace and we said, look, let's end this cycle of victimization. Let, you can wrong me and I'm not going to wrong you back and I'm not going to wrong somebody else. Like, Let's break the cycle right here through the power of what Jesus has done because of the Prince of Peace. This is a really big idea, but it's a really simple, simple way that it plays out in your life. Um, and it's a process. It, it will come with some pain. That's the birthing part of it, right? But yeah. uh, I think that's a place to start, to, to seek to break that cycle, to, to reject this, this idea of... You hurt me, I hurt you. Whether it's on social media or, again, in your, in your homes or with kids, let this be something where you get hit because they're hurt and you don't hurt them back. Mm-hmm. And then let's pursue reconciliation. I'm telling you, during this season, when family gets a little bit closer, a lot of old wounds may be coming out when it comes to siblings or cousins or parents. It can be a really hard time. What if you spent some time with the Prince of Peace and you came out of it and you said, you know what, I'm going to bring peace to this family situation. I'm going to bring shalom, not just pretend like everything's fine. I'm actually going to do the hard work to seek reconciliation. I'm going to name the realities of what's going on and I'm going to, with love and with hope and with joy, I'm going to seek some peace with this person. Uh, or with these people. 
What if you got to be an agent of reconciliation in the days and weeks ahead? That That's amazing. Now, what I'd love to do now is let's go have an encounter with the Prince of Peace. It's great to talk about it. It's even better to do it, to experience his love, his joy for us. And let us enter into this time where this can be kind of a moment of pause for you. Hopefully a refreshing reorienting in the presence of the God who is with us. Yes. So to start, take a deep breath. And spend the next few minutes, the next few seconds, just in quiet. If it helps, close your eyes to prepare for this time ahead, this encounter with him. As you do, ask God to speak to you what he wants you to hear. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Luke 2, 13 through 14. The dusty road leading down to Bethlehem had been well worn these past years. The boots of Roman soldiers and the hooves of Roman horses had pounded this path into a road. Just an hour's walk from Jerusalem, the gleaming walled city, Bethlehem was a small town of just a few hundred people. The farmers, potters, and shepherds that lived in this town were humble, eking out a living under Roman rule and taxes. Imagine being one of those oppressed and beat-down Bethlehemites. Your history, at least for the last few centuries, was an endless list of changing foreign rulers, foreign political powers, laws, taxes, imposed practices. You've been passed from one empire to another. Tennis can be fun unless you're the ball. See, it seemed like every hundred years the uniforms would change on the soldiers that marched through your town on the way to Jerusalem. Now, though they were humble, they carried great pride about their town. This was the birthplace, the home, of the great Israelite king of ancient past, King David. As Roman soldiers walked their red flags through their streets, these meek homeowners and shopkeepers must have imagined what it was like a thousand years before, when David was anointed king of Israel, really just down the road, when they had a good king that ruled Israel and sought real peace. Now, he didn't have a perfect track record, but he was after God's own heart. He was one of their own. And perhaps in their most hopeful days, in the quiet around a table, they must have held to the old words of the prophet Micah, written down hundreds of years before. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, Out of you will come for me one who will be a ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. 
Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. See, each new ruler promises peace. The question is, how do they achieve it? We often view peace as just the absence of conflict. That if we can get rid of our challenges, however we choose to do that, we will be at peace. And isn't that the promise today? If you elect the right person, you'll defeat the other party and bring peace. If you stop people from saying or thinking the things that you don't want them to say or think, then you'll have peace. If you just pretend like things aren't wrong, if you can just numb the pain, then you'll have peace. Now, this is an artificial peace, as artificial as the fake peace that hovered over Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' birth. See, peace is not just the absence of conflict. It is the presence of justice. It is when all things are made right. This prophecy from Micah this hope for a savior that would really bring peace was different. This peace would not come with a sword, but would come from humble origins of Bethlehem, from a mother in birth pains. This peace would come as a shepherd who cares for his flock. This peace, the Hebrew word shalom, is not about silencing those who disagree by beating them, whoever them is. It is about defeating enemies by making them friends. This peace is about confronting the real issues of the selfish human heart and healing the wounds of victimization. So what does peace mean to you? What type of peace do you need right now? Spend a few moments to ask God, what type of peace do you want me to have? Brandon, I, I, I love when you take us through those times. I think it is such a just a refreshing, because seriously, we, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but we don't have many opportunities, I think, in our culture and our families to really just sit and listen to what God may be saying to us. So anytime we can create space to do that, I think it is absolutely gold, especially in this Advent season. So we are at our commission point, right? So we, we teach, we go through kind of that reflection, and then now we wanna embody what we're learning. We don't wanna just leave it in our heads, but we want it to ultimately express through our hands to really participate in the Advent season, participate in the story. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take that peacemaker, we're, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna commission ourselves to be peacemakers in the world, right? This is the holiday season, right? So with our families, let's focus on three things with our communities. Let's focus on three things. It's, it's in the cycle. 
we do not have to retaliate. We have the Prince of Peace, Jesus, who loves us and who's deeply and intimately with us in all moments, who's loving us in all moments. This peace is available to us in all circumstances and moments. So when we want to get back, we want to come back at somebody, we want to get back, we want to kind of set it right on our own terms, let's remember that Jesus is doing this in us and we can end this cycle that we don't have to retaliate, that we can reject violence in all of its forms, that we can reject violence in all of its forms, but then also we can pursue reconciliation. We want to be peacemakers, we reject violence, we pursue reconciliation and we end these vicious cycles. So you and I, we are commissioned this week in this season to pursue peace, the shalom of God, and join God in making all things right. Hey, we love you. We are so glad to be doing this series. We will be back again next week with another episode. If you enjoyed this episode, consider giving us a rating or a review on iTunes. If you do, you'll help other people find us in the future. You can also listen to these episodes on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Saddleback Church YouTube channel for these conversations, plus lots of other video content. And if you are already listening to us on YouTube, subscribe to the Doable Discipleship Podcast on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app so you can listen in the car or wherever else you go. Don't forget to visit saddleback.com slash doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com slash grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode thanks again for tuning in to doable discipleship i'm jason whelan and i hope you'll join us again next week